Amen, guys. Well, thank you again for letting me join this devotional tonight and share. Um, I actually got baptized as a single man uh, in the New York City Church of Christ a long time ago, 1994 it was, March 16th. So I'm actually coming up on, wow, what's going to be my, I don't know, whatever 2023 minus 1994 is, um, a lot. Almost 30 years. Wow, 29 years. Oh, my gosh. Is that right? Did I do that right? Um, yeah, I was in the Westchester ministry. That's where I became a disciple. And um, and I'm very excited to, uh, I, I love the New York City Church. I love the New York City Church of Christ uh, Singles Ministry, a.k.a. Edge Ministry. Thank you, Shauna Lewin. Yes, that's <laughs> 29 years. Um, and so I, I just, I love this church. I love, uh, I love what we do. And many of you have been around for a while as, as well. And, uh, and so I'm excited to be able to uh, inspire you and, and hopefully uh, encourage you from God's word. Uh, tonight, the title of our lesson is Jesus, A New Way. And uh, I want to remind you um, of what you already know. And that is that Jesus was different. Uh, he wasn't different because he was odd or strange. He was different because he just offered a new way, a new way to think, a new way to, to live, a new way to be. And I really want to, as I'm talking about this, is to encourage us to try to imitate him and be like him. I know that we fall short and I know that we are not him. Um, of course, none of us need to be reminded that we're not Jesus, but we do look at him and we do listen to him and we do strive to be like him uh, because he is the way out. He's the way through this life that uh, could be so crazy and so challenging and difficult at times. I want to encourage us to keep in step with him, um, to keep in step with, uh, oh, I just got increased my volume. Can you hear me okay? Let me do this. Let me, um, hopefully you can hear me okay. Uh, I have headphones on here. So I do want to in, in, encourage us tonight to, um, to keep in step with Jesus, uh, to keep in step with him as he is moving. Sometimes keeping in step means uh, walking faster. Sometimes keeping in step even means slowing down. Uh, but it is challenging to keep in step. I remember as a kid, um, a little kid trying to walk in my father's steps. He would be walking and usually if it was cold and walking in the snow, he would leave his footprints. And I remember at times walking behind him, trying to step in his steps. And it was really hard. It was difficult uh, because, you know, he was much bigger than I was. And it wasn't, he wasn't running. He wasn't jogging. He wasn't doing anything in particular. He was just being himself. He was just walking. Uh, and I, I remember trying to, to, to work hard to keep in those steps. And it's very similar when you're following Jesus. It's not like Jesus is trying to lose us or trying to get, you know, trying to lead us on some crazy uh, path. Just Jesus is who he is. And sometimes us keeping up with him can be very challenging. And it takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of concentration, you know, you know, a little bit of effort on our, on our part uh, to really concentrate um, because Jesus is just from a whole different plane. He thinks differently. He sees differently. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, really keeping up with Jesus, this new way. And it's really not that new because you've probably heard this before, but it's always good for us to be reminded of, of the way that Jesus thinks about the, of things and what his um, his hopes and his expectations are for us as his followers. So I'm going to read to you from Mark chapter 11, uh, Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 25. 
just a little glimpse in the life of Jesus. In fact, this time period that I'm about to read is probably about 24 hours, maybe 48 hours at the most. Um, so it's, it's just, you know, one day in the life of Jesus. So let's read this and, um, and uh, one, one or two days in the life of Jesus. Let's read this and, and, and take a, a glimpse of this. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 12, it says, The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may you never, wait, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard him say, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers, and the benches of those selling doves, and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, it is, is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When Jesus, when evening came, Jesus and the disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they said will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your forgive you your sins. All right. Well, again, this, this story starts uh, uh, in the morning. Jesus is traveling. He goes into Jerusalem and then it ends the next morning as he circles back around. And, um, and it kind of involves him going to the temple, involves him dealing with a tree. So many things that we can learn from here. I'm going to share with you three tonight. All right. Three things that I think it, it means to really keep in step with Jesus. Three things that I think it means to understand this new way, this different way that Jesus thinks about things, all right? There's a lot in here, and you could probably pick out three things as well. There's a lot of things we can learn, but here, here are three for you. Number one, Jesus's expectation. Jesus, Jesus, this new way that we're talking about, Jesus expected faith in spite of facts, Jesus, in, in, in Jesus uh, expected faith in spite of facts. Now, when the story begins, Jesus is hungry, the Bible says. And so he goes to a tree, a fig tree, and he's looking for figs. But when he gets there, there's uh, no figs whatsoever. And so he curses the tree and he tells the tree, uh, he says, no one will ever eat from this tree again. Now, uh, a lot of people you know, debate about what exactly does this mean? Why did he do it? Was he really just that hungry? <laughs> you ever been that hungry? You're like, 
you know, may this stove never cook again, you know, you know, that's probably not what was happening there. Um, in fact, one commentary I read said that probably the tree was more a symbol of the state of Israel at the time, that it looked good and it, it was very leafy and, and everything seemed good, but the fruits of the righteousness were missing. What really mattered was missing. So maybe that's what it meant. Um, um, but, um, but later, later, when Jesus is questioned about it, Peter, um, when Peter says something to, about it in verse, um, verse 21, Jesus' first response is faith, faith. Now, I struggle with um, this a little bit, especially in dealing with this tree, not because I care so much about a fig tree, but it does say that it wasn't the season for figs. So Jesus come up, comes up on a tree that's full of leaves, but it's not fig season yet. But because there's no figs there, he curses this tree and says, may, you, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And then when questioned about it later, the first thing Jesus says is faith, have faith in God. And what we can conclude from that, and I think what we can learn from that is in Jesus's thinking, this plane that Jesus lived on, facts didn't matter. We, Jesus expected faith even in spite of the facts. And this is a common theme that we see throughout the scriptures, this common theme of faith in spite of facts. Remember um, Matthew chapter 14. Remember when the guys had gone out onto the water and, um, and they were there all night. Jesus was up on the mountain praying and a little storm came up and, uh, uh, when, when they were... Uh, when they were in the water. And, uh, and so Jesus goes to them. Remember that story? But he's not in a boat. <laughs> so what does Jesus do? He walks to them. You know, he's like, I, I don't need a boat. I'll just walk. And he walks out. Of course, the Bible says they're afraid. And he says, don't be afraid. It's me. And, um, and Peter says, well, if it's you, then I want to come to you. And, uh, and uh, Jesus says, come on out. And so Peter does. He gets out of the boat and he starts walking on top of water in the middle of the lake, just like Jesus. But he takes his eyes off of Jesus. He gets a little spooked by everything going around and he immediately begins to sink. And what's troubling to me about that story is when Jesus reaches down and helps him up out of the water into the boat, uh, Jesus's question for him isn't, Jesus doesn't say to him, great job, bro. I mean, at least you tried. Nice job. That's not what Jesus says. What Jesus does, the first thing Jesus does when he helps him out of the water into the boat is, where's your faith, Peter? Where's your faith? Again, the facts are that humans aren't supposed to walk on water. The facts are that Peter did, even just for a minute. But when he began to sink, Jesus didn't care about facts. He wanted faith. He wanted faith. And this is what it means to be around Jesus. This is what it means to think like Jesus. Another boat story. Remember Mark chapter four. Remember that story. Another great story. This time Jesus is in the boat and a storm comes up, but Jesus is sleeping. He's in the back of the boat sleeping. One of the few times it ever mentions Jesus sleeping in the Bible. I'm sure he slept every day, but he's sleeping. And what do they do? They wake him up. <laughs> Lord, don't you care that we're going to drown? Right. And so again, 
they're in a boat and, and there's a storm that comes up. They wake Jesus. Jesus gets up. He calms the storm. And then he turns to the, the, the guys and he says, oh, man, that was really rough. Sorry about that. Good job. Good hanging in there. No, that's not what he says at all. He looks at them and he goes, where is your faith? Where is your faith? You know what? He, he challenges their faith. And again, I read that story and I want to go, Jesus, they were seasoned fishermen. Clearly, this is enough of a, a storm to scare them. Right. And so, it, you know, let's cut them a little slack here, you know. But no, Jesus expected faith even in spite of facts. There's a great verse in uh, Romans 4, uh, verse 18, that talks about this. Remember the story of Abraham. Abraham, God said, you're going, your, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars on the sky and the sky and the sand on the seashore. And Abraham said, awesome, but I have no kids and I'm really, really old. And uh, so is my wife. And, um, but here's what it says in Romans about this story. Romans 4, verse 18. It says, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Listen to this. It says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. You know, that's, that's a rough thing for, for the Bible to say about you, right? You know, he, his body is as good as dead. It says he faced the fact since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Wow, what a great verse. And I want you to note in here that Abraham, and God had promised Abraham something, but, but all the facts pointed away from it, all of the facts. But it says here, if you look closely, it says it very quickly, talking about Abraham, it says he faced the facts. He faced the facts. So when we're talking about having faith in spite of facts, we're not saying you ignore the facts. We're not saying that you don't pretend they're not there. We're not saying that you be naive or just, you know, just like tell yourself things that aren't true or walk around and pretend like difficult things aren't happening. No, we, we're going to be like Abraham. We can face the fact. Look at him. Look him right in the face and say, yeah, everything is against this. Every fact says this should not happen. But I'm still going to have faith. I'm still going to have yeah. faith. That's what Abraham did, and that's exactly what we are called to do if we're going to follow this guy, Jesus. We're going to have to have faith even in spite of the facts. So here's the question for us to ask ourselves. What facts are you facing right now? What difficult, challenging facts are facing you? Maybe it has something to do with your health. Right now, maybe you're going through some health challenges. Maybe it has something to do with relationships, a friendship. Um, maybe it has something to do with your job, uh, your occupation. Maybe it has something to do with your home or your car or your money. You know, I mean, you name it. I mean, what is the difficult thing that you are going through and where all the facts are saying, this is just not going to work out? 
Well, as, as disciples, we are called to face the facts, but have faith even in spite of the facts. I read once or heard somebody say once actually that facts can be stubborn things. And it's true. They can. But with Jesus, our faith must be even more stubborn than even the facts. Jesus calls us to have faith in spite of facts. What else do we see? What else do we, we, we learn from this? Just this little glimpse into 24 to 48 hours walking with Jesus. You know, Jesus on this, uh, and this, this new way of thinking. Jesus with this spiritual way of thinking. Well, one, we see we got to have faith in spite of facts. And two, I think we learn from this, we got to have heart instead of habit. We got to have heart instead of habit. You know, um, in this passage, again, when Jesus returns and sees the tree and they point this out, Jesus says something very powerful. He, he calls his disciples to have faith, right? Have faith in God. Have faith in God, he says. Verse 23 says, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Jesus is saying that the power is not in us. The power is in God. Have faith in God. But our part is to believe and not just you know, not just intellectually believe, but to really believe in our heart. That's what he says. Believe in your heart. Like, meaning you, you, you really believe. It's not just like, uh, you know, yes, I approve, or yes, I acknowledge, or yes, I concede. But no, you really believe in your heart in God. This is very difficult to do, isn't it? It's so challenging. It is for me. Let me say that. For me, it's a very challenging thing because I know scriptures. I know a lot of scriptures. I know what the Bible says. And so I can definitely acknowledge the power of God intellectually. But believing in my heart, man, that's so difficult. And if we're not careful, we can become very religious people. If we stop if we stop believing in our heart, we can, we can start getting into our habits instead of the heart. We can end up becoming people of habit instead of people of heart. Sometimes if we're not careful, we start thinking that the power, the true power is in our rituals or the power is in our meetings or the power is in our devotionals or the power is in our religion or the power is in our structure or the powers in our calendar events, or the power is in our plans, or the power is in our cool preacher. Thank you, Amen. Appreciate it. Um, no, I just threw that out there. You probably don't do that. But um, the truth is, the power is in God, period. And we have to believe this in our heart. Really believe it in our heart. Really wrestle with God in prayer. Really wrestle with the scripture dig deep and find those barricades. What are those roadblocks in your heart that, that are, 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 are preventing you from really believing in your heart? If you don't believe from your heart, then what we do will just become a habit, a religious habit. 
In fact, if we lose heart, if we do things, if we forget the heart behind it, honestly, we can get really weird. You know, it can get weird if we forget the heart. I had a credit card one time, uh, or one of those, you know, the credit cards that they gave out, they call them thank you points. You know, maybe you have cards like that, credit card where for every dollar you spend or every two dollars you spend, you get a you get a reward point where these were called thank you points. And it was pretty self-explanatory. They were saying, thank you. You know, you you made this purchase using our credit card. Thank you. Here's one point. And then after you get this number of points, you know, you can cash them in for a gift card. And it really is not worth it <laughs> to tell you the truth. But it's free. So I just took it and I thought, that's great. I'll take it. But I remember one time logging into my credit card account and uh, one of the first things I noticed was it said online that I had a negative 1,117 thank you points. I had a negative 1,100. I thought, that's weird. How do I, how do I have a negative, a negative amount of, so I called the credit card company. I talked to them and they researched and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, well, we merged this and we did that. And they did, I don't remember everything that happened, but the net result of it was I had a negative 1,117 thank you points. And I, I thought that's weird. You know, that's, I mean, how is it that, that I have a, a negative? How is it that I owe you thank you points now? I mean, the whole point of thank you points is to say thank you, right? The whole point is to say, hey, you've used our credit card, so here's something as a thank you. How is it that now I, as the customer, owe you, you know, over a thousand thank you points? And it's it's a made up currency, like it's not even real. You know, what, what do I do? Can I Venmo you like a thousand thank you points? Like, how do I even pay that off, right? I mean, and that's my point is when, when, when we, you know, when I talk to the person, they're like, ah, check the computer. Oh, yep. Just, you know, mathematically, yep. Just looks like, oh, yep. You just owe us, you know, I'm like, but you're missing the heart of it. The heart of it was you saying thank you to me, not me owing you something, some weird currency that somebody just made up. That's what happens. That's what, pro yeah, I probably didn't read the fine print. That's exactly right. Yes. I probably bought something and then returned it. And kept the, and they took back the thank you points. That's probably what happened. But the point is, is we can get weird too if we forget why we're doing what we're doing. If we just go through our religious activity because it's what we do and it's it's, it's just what we're used to, and I've done this, and and we don't keep reminding ourselves why why are we doing this? Why are we gathering on Zoom tonight? Why are we having this devotion? Why on a Friday night are we opening up the Bible and trying to connect to that? Why? We, we've got to let our hearts always be in what we're doing. Otherwise, we, we, we can become religious and people of habit. And um, sometimes one of the things that keeps us from really being people of heart is we get too wrapped up in what people think about us. That's easy to do as well. I can, I can fall into that all the time. I'm very aware, you know, what people think sometimes, sometimes more than I want to be aware. I just kind of sense it. And so then I can get wrapped up into it. And if I let what people think of me, whether good or bad, really affect me too much, again, I can start losing heart. Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, it's a beautiful time in the church where people were voluntarily, 
I assume voluntarily selling properties and giving up, uh, selling what they had and taking the money and giving it to the apostles to use in the ministry. And it was really an amazing thing. Well, Ananias and Spire came along and they sold their property, but they didn't give all the money. They only gave part of the money. And, um, and then when questioned about it, they lied and they said, oh, no, no, this is all of it. It just seems that somewhere in there, maybe they were just, you know, kind of sucked into what everybody else. Hey, it looks like this is what everyone's doing. So we're going to do it as well. But I don't really want to do it. So I'm going to keep back. Some of and the truth is, you know, they, they, Peter even says to him, it's your money. You don't have to do this. You don't have to give it. You don't have to give all of it. But what you can't do is lie. You can't lie and pretend like you're somewhere when you're really not there. And so, uh, unfortunately, God struck them dead right there in Acts chapter 5. They lied and then they died. Uh, Acts chapter 5. Uh, why? Because somewhere in there, they lost the heart behind it, the reason why they were doing it. And so we got to be careful. We got to be careful that we don't uh, forget what we're doing. We got to be careful that we don't get so sucked into well, what everybody's doing that I just got to make sure I fit in and not really understand why we do what we do and be people of of heart and people of conviction. You know, dealing with our heart is a hard task. It is a daunting endeavor, is it not? Um, It's very challenging to dive into your heart and to really work to keep a heart for God, but it is necessary for our salvation. There's a great verse in Romans chapter 10, verses eight and nine. A verse you've probably heard before, Romans 10, 8 and 9, that says, But what shall we say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Once again, believing in your heart is a matter of salvation. It's a matter. It's not just checking it off in your mind. It's not just going through the list, but really letting our hearts believe. This is what Jesus called his followers to to do, to be people who really trusted God, had faith, and believed in their heart. This is who we got to be. Faith in spite of facts. Heart instead of habit. I've just got one more. I'm going to close out with this. And this is more of a challenge, okay? More of a challenge, something to think about from this passage. Walking with Jesus, this this new way of thinking that Jesus introduced, this this keeping up with him and and walking in his steps. It means having faith in spite of facts. It means having heart instead of habit. And it also means praying like it's the past. Praying like it's the past. Well, what does that mean? Go back there to, to, to Mark chapter 11, and specifically in verse 24. Well, we'll start in 22. Jesus says, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done. Therefore, I tell you, this is the verse, verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. All right, did you catch that? In that verse, verse 24, 
And they know we're reading the English translation of a Greek, uh, a Greek verse. But in this verse, there are three different verb tenses. I am not a, um, a word, wordologist, <laughs> obviously, because that's not even a thing, a wordologist. But I'm not one. Um, I do Wordle every day, but uh, that's about as close as I get. Uh, but I can see from reading this that, that there's three different tenses in this, right? Think about this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, that's, that's the present tense. Believe you have received it, past tense, and it will be yours, future tense. I mean, think about that. Think about what Jesus is saying. He's saying right now, when you pray, when you pray, believe you have received it and it will be yours. And so, again, remember, this is how Jesus thought. This is Jesus is this is where Jesus was. This is the plane that he was, was on. He's calling us to pray like it's the past. Pray like it's already happened. Pray believing you have received it. And it will be yours. This is hard. This is a challenging verse. I don't know about you. I read verses like this, and I immediately start just going through the list of reasons why that doesn't work. Okay, Lord, this is why it doesn't. Again, and to me, and if you're like me, to you, I would say, go back to point number one. You got to have faith in spite the facts. There's a lot of reasons why. There's a lot of facts against this, right? But let's just take it for what he says. He says, pray. You should pray, believing you have received it, and it will be yours. In other words, he's saying to pray like it's the past. You know, I've, I've, this is hard to do. It's very challenging. This is, this is kind of what it looks like. You, you have a challenge in your life. You have something in your life. Maybe it's something difficult you're going through, or maybe it's just something you want to grow in and become. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It could be a good thing. Whatever the case is, instead of saying, God, please, please give this to me one day, or God, please let this happen one day, or please let it go this way. Instead of saying it like that, pray like it's the past. Say, God, thank you that it's already done. <laughs> God, thank you that you've already given me this thing that I'm praying about. Thank you, God, that you've already completely uh, taken care of this problem. Thank you, God, that you have already caused me to go. I mean, even though it hasn't happened, right? Yeah, and even though it hasn't happened, even though, even though it's not done in the current situation with all the facts against you, pray, say words as if it's done, as it's in the past. Thank you, God, that it's over and that there was victory. I mean, that's a challenging verse. And it says, and it will be yours. It will be yours. I mean, think about it. What, what is it that you're, you're wrestling with? Is it something in your life? Something, again, with your health, maybe. Something with your finances. Something with your job. Something with your relationships. Maybe something with evangelism. Maybe there's somebody that you want to reach out to or you want to meet somebody. You want to help somebody become a Christian. God, thank you. Right in the past. God, thank you that I met this person. They were so incredibly open to your word. We sat down and read the Bible. And I, and I baptized them, knowing that you haven't even met them yet. <laughs> that, that's what we're talking about. Praying in the past. Praying like it's the past. 
Instead of saying, God, please help me make it through something, say, God, thank you that I already made it through. Thank you that I've already made it through. I mean, this is uh, the, 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 the challenge that I want to leave us with. And it is a challenge. It's hard. It's a hard way to think about God. Again, because if you're like me, and, and it goes against all the logical things in my brain, you know? And, but again, we're called to be people of faith, even in spite of the facts. And sometimes the biggest battlefield, sometimes the hardest battlefield is the one right inside of us, the one that we battle against uh, ourselves. And so I want to close you out, close out with this. I want to encourage you to pray like it's the past. You know, again, walking with Jesus, being like Jesus, it's not, it's not something that comes easy. It's something that requires a little bit of concentration, requires some effort, requires us to step out, and requires us to, um, to, to put ourselves out there for him. It means having faith in spite of the facts. It means having heart in, instead of uh, habit. And it means even praying like it's the past, having that level of faith. I love you guys. Thank you so much for letting me join you tonight. Uh, I hope that you're encouraged by this. I hope you're a bit inspired and maybe even a little challenged. I know I am. Uh, and uh, again, God's word is powerful. But let's, let's together, let's, let's worship God. Let's honor God. And let's strive to be like Jesus in our lives. Thank you, guys. Love you.